Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Uh, I'm going to continue in the series today that Sean is making me do uh, called... called Weapons of Our Warfare, praise God. And so uh, I foolishly made the decision to let all the campus pastors do their own series this term, uh, just to get them off my back, you know. Uh, they were very much, hey, you know, you're not the only one who can hear from God, Ben, you know. Uh, and so, uh, so I've let them choose their own series without contemplating the fact that it means I've got to do a different message every time I go. Uh, but in all seriousness, um, it's um, look really, you know, looking forward to sharing with you today. Second uh, Corinthians 10 uh, verse 4 uh, says this, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So what that means is this, as believers, God, in the earth that we live right now, God has called us to actually be warriors. Uh, we are always involved in a spiritual battle and God has called us to advance and take territory for the kingdom of God. But our weapons are actually not in the natural. Our weapons are actually in the spiritual. God gives us weapons that we need to live victoriously live the Christian life that he's actually called us to live. And so today I want to talk to you about one of the weapons that every single one of us have at our disposal. And so I just want to share with you from the book of Ecclesiastes, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 to 8. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 to 8, it says this. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. Now I want to read to you from Proverbs 18 verse 21. It says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The title of my message today is, and maybe because it's the Cricket World Cup on right now, but it's called It's Time to Declare. Let's pray. <laughs> Father, I thank you for your word. I just ask and pray that today you would show us the weapons we have at our disposal. Thank you and praise you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Ecclesiastes says there's a time to keep silent. There's also a time to speak. If you want to sum up your Christian devotion and relationship with God, it kind of sums it up pretty well. There is a time and there's an aspect of the Christian life when we're supposed to be silent, when we're to be contemplative, when we're to wait on the Lord. There's a reflective and a reverent side of Christianity. But that's not the only part of our Christianity. There's a time to keep silent, but there's also a time to speak. Speaking, confession, declaration are an important part of the Christian life. I mean, you can't even get saved without speaking right. The Bible says you've got to believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, then you'll be saved. How did Jesus do most of his miracles? Well, most of it was actually through speaking. He would speak, cast that out. He would declare, say, be healed, open up, come out. It was all through speaking. How did God create the world? Well, he spoke and then it was. How does Jesus say we're supposed to move a mountain? Well, you can plan and strategize and get the resource and that sort of thing. But Jesus said, speak to the mountain and that it will be moved. Make no mistake, as a Christian, 
It is good to be quiet, but there's also a time when we need to speak. I find most Christians fall into one of those two camps. Some people will have the contemplative Christian life. They feel like being a, a true Christian is being reverent and quiet and silent. Well, that's good, but if that's the only way you express your faith in God, that's an incomplete Christian life. Because there is a time to be silent, but there's also a time when we need to speak. One of the weapons at our, at our disposal that God has for us is actually the power of declaration. That declaration and speaking and confession can make significant spiritual inroads in our lives and the lives around us. Proverbs 18.21 actually talks about how death and life are in the power of the tongue and those who love it will eat its fruit. So what that means is this, we affect our external world, death and life are in the power of the tongue, as a result of our words, but we also affect our internal world as well. As well. Those who love it will eat its fruit. And so what that means is this, that our words, our mouth, are vitally important. It's one of the weapons we have at our disposal. Now, last term, we did a series on the book of Proverbs and I did a message on the tongue uh, because Proverbs talks a lot about the tongue. And we talked about, you know, a few things about it to describe what the tongue is. But today, I want to talk to you about five times, <clears throat> five ways we need to speak, out, use our words. Five ways, when, uh, five times when we need to speak. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Five ways that we need to use our mouth. The first way that we need to use our mouth, the first, uh, first thing that we need to declare is we need to declare promises from the Word of God. Bible tells us in the book of Joshua, chapter 1, verse 8, God says, keep this book of the law always on your, <clears throat> well, he doesn't say bookshelf. Doesn't say put it on a fridge magnet. Doesn't say put it on your Bible cover. He says, keep the book of the law on your mouth, on our lips. And then he says, then you'll be, and then says, you'll be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be successful in all that you do. So watch this. He's actually telling the Israelites as they step into the promised land after they come out of the wilderness, that if you want to live an advancing life, if you want to take territory and move the kingdom of God forward, you need to keep the book of the law, the word of God on your mouth. So one of the things that we need to do as part of the Christian life is actually, is actually speak and declare scripture. It's fantastic and really important to read it. It's really fantastic to write it down and to memorize it. But there's something even more powerful when we declare it. When we speak it and when we declare it, it's really, really powerful. It's most important to declare it if you spend time in God's Word and you read a promise in God's Scripture in, in the Word of God that's not evident in your life. Have you ever done that before? You've read a promise in God's Word and you thought, well, that's not in my life. Well, what do you do? Well, you don't change your theology. You start getting in agreement with God's Word. We actually start declaring it. I've had that happen a number of times in my life where I've seen a promise in God's Word that wasn't evident in my life. So I actually started thanking Him for it. Classic example of that of this was probably about nearly 20 years ago when I was feeling constantly depressed and going through a tough time. And I read in the scripture how it said that joy was a fruit of the Spirit. Now, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. It's not a seed of the Spirit. So what that means is this. It's supposed to be evident in our lives and available for every believer. And it wasn't in my life. So what do you do? Well, you don't change your theology. You start getting in agreement with God's Word. And so I started thanking Him for what was promised to every one of us. Every one of us that's promised to. And so I started thanking God for it. Now, I remember the first few times I said it, it didn't change anything. You know, thank you, Lord, for your joy. Thank you, Lord, for your joy. Thank you, Lord. For... But I said it about 10, 15 times. And then all of a sudden, that joy leapt in my heart 
the heaviness lifted and I started feeling a whole lot better. What happened? A promise from God's word leapt into my life through the power of declaration. It was available, but I had to access it through the power of declaration, amen? And so when you spend time with God's word, there are things, yes, it's important to write it down. Yes, it's vitally important to read it and to meditate on it. But there's another thing that we can do with God's word and to draw it down into our world, we actually declare it. So spend time declaring God's word, so it's so important. The second thing that we need to declare is personal prophecies, personal prophecies. 1 Timothy 1.18 says this, This charge I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. So the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy and said, you know those prophecies that you've received? He goes, you've got to wage warfare with them. So this is a warfare series that we're doing, right? And he says, wage warfare with the prophecies that you've been given. So if you've received a prophecy in the past and it's really resonated with you, then one of the things we do is wage warfare with it. Now, what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean write it on a piece of paper and wave it. It actually means we're supposed to speak it and declare it, especially if the exact opposite happens in your life after you receive a prophecy. Have you ever had that happen before? That you've received a prophecy about some particular breakthrough, you're all excited, and then straight after the exact opposite happens, and then all of a sudden doubt and unbelief come into your heart, and you start thinking, is this ever going to, is this really going to happen? What do we need to do? We get that prophecy out, and in the face of our circumstances, we need to start declaring it. And we start beating it back. And not only that, on the inside of our heart, faith actually comes to pass. And there's been many times in my life, I get really nervous when I get a whole bunch of prophecies about the same thing. Because what usually happens is straight after that, the exact opposite happens. You know, I get some, I'll get, there'll be a topic and I'll get all these prophecies all of a sudden. And I'm like, yeah, hey, you know. I know this, and then something's coming down the road that really rattles my faith. What do I do? You get those prophecies out and you start declaring and speaking to it. I remember a number of years ago, probably the most, <clears throat> the most stressed I've ever been in ministry ever uh, was um, about, 20, about 18 years ago when I was about to start a Bible college in Brisbane, uh, and it's called Planet Shakers College. And so I was moving down. I didn't know what I was going to do. I found out no one down there knew what, no one knew what we were going to do. We actually didn't have an official course or any content and we started advertising it a few months out. And, um, and, and it was crazy because we're advertising it. We hadn't, I didn't even have a prospectus. I didn't know what I was doing. Uh, and so I'm really stressed because you're thinking, man, you know, are we even going to be able to do this? And then I, one of the worst things I did was uh, I went over to Perth. There was a church over there that ran a Bible college and I was looking at their Bible college to model our Bible college on theirs. And then it, was, it just so discouraged me because I realised we are so far off being able to do this Bible college. And I was so stressed. I went back to the hotel that night. This was October in 2005. We're launching in February 2006. And I thought, There's no, this is ridiculous. There's no way we can do this. So I pick up my phone, about to ring my boss back in Brisbane and say, why don't we give us an extra year? Let's just hold off and give ourselves another year. Uh, and as I picked up the phone, I received a text message. And the text message was from a pastor friend of mine. Actually, his name's John O'Kerry, he's down at Kingscliff. And he texted me and he said, Ben, I was just praying this morning. God put you on my heart. He gave me a scripture for you. He said, he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he promises to give you, give you, uh, make you fully resourced for everything you need to do. 
So I put the phone down and hung on. And even then, nothing happened. Every day I'm thinking, we've got to shut this thing down. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. Fast forward to January. We're about to launch in February. We're taking enrolments. I still didn't have some of the main courses there available. And we're at Planet Shakers Conference in Brisbane and they were promoting it at the conference. I didn't even go inside the conference. I was walking around South Bank yelling. <laughs> you told me, <laughs> you, you'd promised that you're going to leave me adequately resourced. I don't have the resource. You promised, you told me, you said, what was I doing? I was just hanging on to that prophecy because that was all that I had. Then we started the college, still going now, 17, 18 years later. Hundreds and hundreds of students have gone through it. Many are now in ministry. I'll travel all around the place. I run the ACC for Queensland. There's a whole bunch of guys that came up through that college. And people say, wow, that college is great. I said, oh yeah, I knew all along. <laughs> Never a doubt in my mind. Had to get that prophecy. You know that word he gave you about that financial breakthrough and the next week you got that horrendous bill? Don't get the bill out, get the prophecy out. That promise he made you about that particular area, that person that you're believing for to come to Christ and they look further away than ever, get that prophecy out and start declaring it. Start waging warfare with that prophecy. That's the whole reason why he gives it. Don't just put it in your, don't just leave it on your screensaver on your phone. Start declaring it and start getting an agreement with the prophecies that he's given us. The third thing that we need to declare is past victories, past victories. Revelation 12 verse 11 says this. It says, they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. So they overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. So interestingly enough, uh, what that means is this. We don't just overcome by the blood. According to this, we have the victory available to us, but there's still some things we've got to do. There's a fight that we have to have. That's why the Bible calls us overcomers. All through Revelation, Bible tells us we're an, who you overcomes to the end. Overcome, overcome. If people want to be overcomers. I don't want to be an overcomer, really, because when you're an overcomer, it means you've got a lot of problems. Yeah. If you don't have to overcome anything, that's much better. Yeah. But we're called to be overcomers. That's right. And they overcome by the blood of the Lamb, the work of Christ, victory is available in Him, and the word of your testimony. The confession of our testimony. Your testimony is more than your salvation testimony. It's more than the story you have about when you first became a Christian. You've heard, me, you've heard me say before, some people, their testimony is this. Before I met the Lord, I was wicked and boring. But now I've met the Lord, I'm not wicked anymore. <laughs> their testimony is more than that. Your testimony is all the other times God has given you victory. Because one of the things I've learned being a Christian now for some, 20, uh, for some 30 years, over 30 years, one of the things I've learned is this. So often you come up in a situation where you have this great big obstacle and it looks bigger than anything you've ever faced before and then God helps you to overcome it. And then you think, okay, rest of life, no more problems. Until you hit the next one, which looks way bigger than the last one. Looks way bigger than anything you've ever faced before. What do you do when you face that obstacle? You start reminding yourself of the last one. You start reminding yourself of the last time you actually overcame. That's what David did when he took on Goliath. 
He went and spoke to Saul and he says, I want to, I want to fight this Goliath. Nobody wanted to fight that giant. Saul himself, the king, should have fought the giant. He did it. None of their greatest soldiers did. But the shepherd boy David actually decided that he would take on Goliath. And he actually said to Saul, he said, the Lord who delivered me from the poor of the lion and from the poor of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. 1 Samuel 17, 37. What is he saying? He's saying, I might only have a sling and a stone, but God helped me beat that guy. And he helped me beat that guy. He's going to help me beat this guy now. Amen. And so some of you are facing something so big right now that it looks way bigger than anything you can face. Remind yourself of the last time you felt like that and start declaring it and start speaking it into being. Because I wanna let you know, God has called us to be overcomers. As a, on a faith journey completely, as an organisation, kings continually taking territory. There are times we're gonna keep facing obstacles, but look at all the other ones He's helped us to overcome, amen? <laughs> Remind yourself of those times when He gave you that victory. Remind yourself of that healing that you saw with your own eyes. Remind yourself of that time you got that supernatural provision. Remind yourself of that time where that person came to Christ that you thought would never come to know Christ. Remind yourself of those times because we overcome by the, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The fourth thing that we need to declare is private promises, private promises. Now, this is different from personal prophecies. Personal prophecies is when you receive a prophecy from someone. So as a Pentecostal church, we believe in that, okay? We believe that we, we can give prophecies to each other. God can speak to us uh, through other people. Now, obviously, that's not infallible. Uh, there are times we've got to measure that against God's Word. We've got to judge it ourselves. But we still believe that God can use people to give us prophecies and words. But that's not the only way He can speak to us. He's not limited to that. He can also give us private promises. He can also speak to us from things that He has shown to us privately. He can speak to us directly. Now, the Bible tells us in Amos chapter 3, verse 7, it says, Surely the sovereign Lord does nothing without revealing His plan to His servants, the prophets. So it's saying when God's going to do something, He reveals it first to His servants, the prophets. Now, uh, in the New Testament, we still believe in the office of prophet. But we also, also understand that everybody can be prophetic. So in the Old Testament, not everybody could hear from God. But now through Christ and our relationship with God, we can actually all hear from God. So not everyone's a prophet, but everyone can be prophetic, okay? Now, what is the job of a prophet? Well, a prophet hears from God. That's the job of a prophet. But that's not their only job. They've actually got another job. They hear, then they speak. They don't just hear. They've actually got to say it. So watch this. God doesn't do anything without first revealing it to the prophets so he's going to do it. He tells them, then they've got to speak. Yeah. I reckon if you don't speak, he's still waiting. Yeah. It's one thing to hear, but to complete it, we need to speak. Yeah. I believe there's people in this room, you're waiting for God to do something that he told you he was going to do. You heard it, but you haven't spoken yet. He's waiting for you to speak. Because yeah, we hear it, and then we have to speak, declare it. That's actually the job of a prophet. So that's why there are times God will tell you something in private and then you've actually got to declare it. It's upon the declaration that you're actually setting it in motion for that thing to actually come to pass. I know in my own life there's been a number of times where I've had to boldly declare things that I regretted saying at the time. Because reality hits and you think, why did I even say that? 
but then later on it actually comes to pass. I told you the story before about a time when the Lord spoke to me when I was a youth pastor, told me our youth group was going to double in a year. And then he said, so tell them. And I was like, oh, I didn't want to. I was kind of just going to hide it in my heart and wait. And he said, no, no, you've got to tell them. And even in the life of our church now, next year we're going to be doing two weeks on Vision Sunday. <laughs> two weeks. Uh, because one's going to be a five-year vision. And there seems I'm kind of nervous about saying, but I feel like I've got to say it. Because uh, you've got to hear it and then you've got to speak. You know what I'm saying? And so that thing that you hit in your heart, that thing you wrote down in your iPhone and you said, God's going to do this in my life. Have you actually ever declared it? Have you actually ever spoken about it yet? Because God does nothing without revealing it to the prophets and the prophets have two jobs. We have to hear and then we have to speak. Let's be the kind of church and kind of community where we will boldly declare the Word of God and boldly declare the things that God has spoken about. Amen? And I believe that for some people, God has got a promise just waiting to drop in your world, but He's just waiting for you to actually say it. It requires boldness and it requires faith, but I encourage you that if you do it, it might be against your personality, you might be shy, but I want to let you know there is a time to be silent, but there's also a time to speak. And for some people here, you're going to go away this week, you're going to get out the iPhone, all those promises God has said that you haven't seen yet, you've been waiting for Him to do, but He's just waiting for you to speak. And as you start declaring them, and as you start speaking them, and as you start confessing them, you're going to see some of these things drop into your world. Amen? Because He, because he does nothing without revealing His plan to the prophets. And the prophets have two jobs. We've got to hear, and then we've got to speak. And the last thing we want to declare is this, personal agreement. Matthew 18, 19. Again, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything you're asked for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. So that's Jesus speaking, that's awesome. He's saying if something's going to get done in the community of believers, he's saying that if you, if you, agree, if you agree, it shall be done. Simple. But here's the thing. Agreement requires two-way communication. You know, you might be in a negotiation with someone and you say something. Until they actually respond, it actually, there's no agreement yet. Or ladies, think about this. You buy a new outfit. You put it on. You come home. You show your hubby. You say, what do you think? And he just stares at you. Agreement hasn't happened yet, you know what I'm saying? You're like, and? Now, if you're like me, you would be unable to speak because of the beauty of your wife. <laughs> it happens all the time. I just, just in the radiance of your glory. And, <laughs> and on the inside, I'm thinking, oh, you're the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. But on the outside... Agreement hasn't happened yet because agreement requires two-way communication. That's why you need to say amen during the preaching. Because I don't know if you agree if you're just looking at me. On the inside, you can be like, oh, that's amazing. And on the outside, agreement hasn't happened yet because of two-way communication. Now, we don't do it for the benefit of the preacher. You know, I've preached at some places, you know, and um, 
They'll say things like, hey church, got Pastor Ben preaching today. So I uh, really want you to encourage the preacher because he really needs your encouragement. I've heard some preachers come and preach somewhere and they said, hey church, I need you to talk to me. I need you to speak back to me. The better you talk, the better I preach. I need your help to preach this thing. Just want to let you church, no church, I don't need your help. <laughs> I've been preaching a long time, you know what I'm saying? I've preached in some places where they look at me like they want to kill me. So if I needed your help to preach this thing, I would have quit 25 years ago. So I don't need your help. It doesn't make me preach better. It doesn't make me feel better about myself. But I still want you to say amen. amen. Because when God's Word is declared, we drag it into our world through agreement. And I don't know if you agree, if you're just looking at me. And it's not black and it's not Pentecostal and it's not Amway, it's Christian. You'll say it in a prayer. But don't be afraid to say it to the Word of God. Now I know that in some places, you know, you might want, not want to say amen. It's just going to be some kind of verbal agreement, you know. I was preaching at uh, this church up in North Queensland, a town called Air, one hour south of Townsville. And the pastor there said to me, he goes, oh, sorry, he said to me, he goes, Ben, in our church, we're an Australian church, not an American church. I said, what does that mean? He says, well, in our church, we don't say praise the Lord. I said, don't say praise the Lord. Why? Because we're Australian. I said, well, what do you say? He said, we say, you beauty, Lord. <laughs> I said, right. And he said, in our church, we don't say amen either. So you don't say amen. Why? Because we're Australian. I said, what do you say? He said, we say, too right, mate. <laughs> and it's true. When I visited the church, pastor gets up at the end, says a prayer, and he said, and all the people said, and the guy stood up and said, too right, mate. So it could be amen, it could be to right, mate, could be come on, it doesn't matter. It's got to be some kind of verbal agreement. When God's Word is declared in this pulpit, promises are declared and we drag it into our world through agreement. I don't know if you, and I, and I don't know if you agree unless you say amen. Amen? Yeah. Too right, mate. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through Him, the Amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. In Christ, it's available. We drag it through into our world through agreement. Amen. And so I want to pray. And so for everyone here, I've got some homework for you, okay? Because I feel like as I was sharing, some of this was resonating. That for some of you, I said, one of these points, you're like, oh, that's me. That's me. I want you to go home over the course of this week, start declaring. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how shy you are. It doesn't matter your personality type or your theological persuasion. The Scripture is very clear on this. There's a time to be silent, but there is a time to speak. And sometimes to drag things into our world, from God's will into our world, we need to declare them. And for some of you, I had a picture actually, and I had a picture of a net with all these balloons in it. And you know you see on TV shows when they finish off and they have a celebratory thing and there's all these balloons fall from the ceiling. They're all in a net. I had a picture of a net with all these balloons in it. And for some of you, there's something you've waited so long for and never declared. When you declare it, you're going to pull that cord and that thing's going to drop into your world. Because we've been waiting for Him, but He's been waiting for us. Amen. 
Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.